Welcome to Scoliosis Dialogues, an SRS podcast. Today's episode is taken from the July 23rd SRS webinar for professionals titled, A Practical Approach to Surgeon Preservation. Okay, and now we move into a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Dr. Sukhan Shah is going to talk about sleep and rest. And my disclosure is I not only take a nap every day, some days I take two. Okay, Dr. Shah. Thanks, Dave, and thanks to the Scoliosis Research Society for the opportunity to present. I, I was actually going to disclose that Dave was a, a napper uh, later in the talk. Um, I don't have any disclosures relevant to this presentation. Uh, I think um, any analysis, this is going to come to a screeching halt in terms of new technology. This is old stuff that's probably 5,000 years old, but we're becoming more and more aware of how important some of this is. Um, with regard to good sleep, it's pretty much straightforward. Orthopedic and neurosurgeons have been conditioned for sleep deprivation throughout their training and practice, but we have to really recognize that uh, many, uh, very few of us are actually have the gene uh, to make you sleep elite where you only can um, optimize performance at three to four hours. 98% of the population needs about seven to eight hours on average for adults, and you'll notice that children uh, need a lot more sleep than that. If you continually deprive yourself of sleep over many years or decades, you're going to realize that you're gonna have brain, cardiac, and endocrine deficits over the long term, resulting in things like metabolic syndrome, um, early dementia, and coronary artery disease. So it's critical. We talked about overuse injuries of the shoulder and elbow, but we're now talking about an overuse injury of your entire body if you're not sleeping enough. Go to sleep at the same time daily, try and wake up at the same time daily, regardless of whether it's the weekend or vacation. Um, what I like to do in the morning is get early exposure to sunlight uh, as much as possible. Avoid caffeine in the first hour because you have a spontaneous cortisol release in the first hour. If you caffeinate yourself right after you get out of bed, you're going to require more caffeine throughout the day and suppress that, cortical, um, that cortisone uh, cortisol uh, release. And then at night, I like to avoid artificial light within 60, 90 minutes of sleep. Now, obviously, many of you on this panel have gotten an email from me at 11 or 1130 at night. And so I'm not, I don't profess to say I'm doing everything I should be, but these are the best techniques. What I'm going to talk about next relates to timing and performance. And this book by Daniel Pink called When is absolutely phenomenal. And the next few slides are taken directly from that book. The first thing you want to determine, perhaps, is what's your chronotype? I guess many of us would consider ourselves early birds or larks. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at a population distribution, many of us are what's called third birds in between. The way you find your chronotype is you go to sleep, you wake up at your natural time, not by alarm, and take the midpoint. If that midpoint is around 4 a.m., you're actually a third bird. If you wake up before 6 a.m. spontaneously, you're most likely a lark or an early bird. And the reason this is important is for the next few slides. Positive mood rises early in the morning, dips in the afternoon, and then you get this nice second uh, wave in the evening. People feel increasingly happy throughout the morning, dip in the afternoon, and then again get happy in the evening. People enjoy themselves more as the morning unfolds and they have this relative dearth of enjoyment in the afternoon. And then again in the evening, you see this second rise. An emotional balance follows the same curve. Every single graph I showed you looks identical. This hospital of doom that Daniel Pink um, highlighted 
shows that medical error is most common in the, in the early to mid afternoon. You're more likely to die, receive a fatal dose of anesthesia or miss a cancer in the afternoon. And so it's an, a dangerous time to be a patient in the afternoon in a hospital, regardless of whether it's July or August. What can we learn from all this data? Uh, you need to have your most important tasks shortly after waking. Your optimal performance is about three to four hours uh, after that point, And you really wanna avoid things in the afternoon trough. This is the no-fly zone. If you have control over your schedule, you only want to do repetitive tasks that don't require a lot of cognitive energy, maybe even work out. You definitely want to avoid important decisions, delicate matters, critical meetings. If you do have something important in the afternoon, you should probably take a break right before that, or maybe even as Dave suggests, take a nap. So your most important things early in the, in the morning, especially if you're an early bird, and then save the things that are not as important for the afternoon. The power of breaks has also been illustrated in this Harvard Business Review study where they took children and tested them after a break like lunch or recess and they performed astoundingly well on exams rather than late in the afternoon when they were working in school all day. And we should structure school learning and teaching around these um, different periods throughout the day to get the maximum learning benefit. So what about naps? The best nap is about 20 to 25 minutes long because after that you get into sleep inertia and too little doesn't give you the real benefit of a nap. The price of this book is based on this one thing called the Nappuccino concept, which I absolutely love. Find your afternoon trough time, create a peaceful environment, down a cup of coffee, because remember it doesn't work for about 20 to 25 minutes later, and then set your alarm for 25 minutes. You're gonna wake up refreshed and raging with that caffeination and have optimal performance even in your afternoon trough. And finally, another concept by the Harvard Business Review was about the corporate athlete, where they talk about oscillation of energy, exactly what we said, performance, take a break, performance, take a break, look at your energy expenditure to sustain it throughout the day, and look for periods of recovery where you can re-energize. They talk about this pyramid uh, where very complicated things relate to your spiritual capacity or your why, and that's what will drive you over the long term. But I like to consider this concept of the surgeon athlete where in preparation for a case, for instance, on a, a big OR day, visualize what you're gonna do that day as you're driving into work uh, or you're, as they're prepping the patient. Be very mindful. And we talk about the trainees doing deliberate practice. To go from a novice to an expert, elite performers engage in deliberate practice, sustained mindful efforts, not necessarily playing the violin for eight hours a day, maybe playing for three or four hours, and then in the afternoon, visualizing themselves playing the violin. This makes you an expert and you go from unconscious incompetence to putting in pedicle screws to unconscious competence, which many of us do with pedicle screw preparation so that we can save our cognitive energy for the most important part of the case, the VCR part, the decompression part, the curve correction part. And then taking that further, rest and recover before that important task. On OR days, I like to consume a diet that has a very low glycemic index, high in protein, so I can sustain energy without fluctuations of your blood glucose causing dearths in performance or fatigue. You can exercise in zone two to build endurance and then exercise, exercise in zone five to get other cardiac and muscle benefits for um, some of the, the faster twitch muscles. I'd like to delegate and give people um, the responsibilities at the top level of their degree so they enjoy their jobs and I can enjoy mine. To streamline performance and not avoid cognitive farts, 
is get checklists such as our interoperative neuromonitoring loss checklist, post that in your OR. So if something bad is happening during a time where you're not thinking clearly, you can go to the checklist and get the job done. And then study your performance over time and learn from other experts who do this thing for a living for continuous improvement. Thanks very much. Sukin, that was amazing. So Sukin once again has proved he's one of the best human beings at the microphone in the business, whether it's being a moderator or a speaker. Really appreciate it. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.